Oh my goodness, I love the Bible. As I was reading and preparing for today, I wondered to myself, how could I possibly choose from any of these scriptures? And I decided on drama. I like a good drama. And one of the great dramas of the Bible is Abram and Sarai and Hagar and Ishmael. If you go back and begin with Genesis 12, you discover this amazing saga with the destruction of cities and hiking in the desert, kings, queens, and the voice of God. To quote Thomas, last week's preacher, the story begins with a word. The Lord comes to Abraham and says, go. Only at the time, his name is Abram. And we could ruminate on that word, go, its meanings and how it is woven into today's gospel. But for now, it is enough to remember where Abram and Sarai begin. They are two nomads who travel into the desert with their household because God tells them to. Consider for a moment God's promises, or rather the covenants that God makes with creation. In the beginning, God makes a covenant with Noah, blessing creation and affirming divine love. Then God makes a covenant with Abram and Sarai, claiming them as God's people and preparing them to be a great nation. Following, there comes a covenant with Moses, claiming Israel as a revelation of God's redeeming work in creation. And finally, God makes a covenant with us through Jesus. Creation redeemed through God's self-offering and assuring us of eternal and divine love. Each of these covenants teaches us that God keeps God's promises. And we are blessed to have them. Abram and Sarai, meanwhile, have one word. Go. They go into the desert on faith. And the good news is that God responds. God does two things for them. First, God gives them new names, Abraham and Sarah. Much easier to preach, by the way. These names signify to them who they are becoming. They are their vocation in name. Their faithfulness makes them these great ancestors of a great multitude. Yet Sarah remains barren, even in her many years. We read the whole story of Abraham and Sarah, and you hear the many ways that they try to make themselves great ancestors. Like I said, there's a whole lot of kings and queens and handmaidens, There's doubt and faithlessness and jealousy. And yet none of these seem to satisfy the promise, the covenant. Not even a son named Ishmael through Hagar. Sarah and Abraham do all they can to write their own ending. But you see, the covenant is God's responsibility. It could make us wonder. I mean, there's so much to wonder in the story. What's the most important part? 
Who's the main character? What part of this story feels familiar to us and what part feels foreign or alien? Today, we might wonder about these men or messengers. Who are they? Abraham seems to recognize them. He's practically giddy upon their arrival, sending Sarah out to help him make a great feast for them. Why? Just hospitality, perhaps? To create an oasis in the desert? But still, there's a cool bowl of water for hot and sandy feet, and fresh bread and cakes, and even the best calf for these empty bellies. Whoever these men are, they speak a word into Abraham and Sarah's lives. One of them turns to Abraham and says, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife, Sarah, shall have a son. I wonder what it was like to receive these men and to hear those words. Scripture tells us that Sarah was eavesdropping, Maybe. Or maybe later Abraham came to her and said, Honey, you're not going to believe what they just said. Or maybe she was even there sitting around the table. But I do wonder, did she laugh out loud? Did she just chuckle in her heart? Did she wonder what is happening to her and how this could be happening in her life? Did she laugh to simply keep from crying? However we might imagine it, we know this, that Sarah knows her body best and therefore has every right to laugh. After I've grown old and my husband is old, shall I have pleasure, she wonders. She is of many years, and she has waited so long for a child. And then these three strangers show up and make a claim on her life. Of course, she laughs. And the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? And say, shall I indeed bear a child now that I am old? Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Abraham and Sarah are in the presence of the Lord. And the kingdom of God has come so close to them, close enough for them to care for and entertain the Holy One at their table. And in the presence of the Holy, the answer to Sarah's doubt or questions or grief or sadness or whatever it is that she's feeling, the Holy response is, is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too wonderful for for the Lord. Is there life in the desert? Does God notice the barrenness of creation and our human condition? Are the poor and the grieving and the hungry, are they blessed by God? Does God live among us, minister with us, save us from our errors? Can disciples really cure the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons especially with no money and no bag and no sandals, not even two tunics. Also, they are surrounded by wolves. 
Here is a word from God. And there is nothing too awesome, too beautiful, too unexpected for God. Healing between Sarah and Abraham, not too wonderful for God. A child born to the old and the barren, not too wonderful. Every doubt and desire wrapped up in Sarah's laughter, not too wonderful. Nothing is too wonderful for God. And what about this story that we don't hear today? The story of how Isaac came to be in his mother's womb. How did Abraham and Sarah participate in God's wonder-filled ways? What vulnerability was required from them? How did they let go of their fear and their doubt and make way for God's promises to live in them? Abraham and Sarah were participants in bringing God's promises to life. And I wonder, how much laughter did it take? Can a disciple of Christ survive with no bag, no money, no sandals, and surrounded by wolves? Is God in the midst of a world like ours, where we live divided in every possible way? It sounds absurd when I say it out loud, even laughable. And you see, God is speaking to us, giving us a word. God has made a covenant with us. How will we respond? Do we believe that God sets us free from all that oppresses us? Will we love our neighbors and our enemies and forgive the unforgivable? Enact justice, freedom and safety for the oppressed, food for the hungry, cures for the sick, here in our lives and in our communities? We can laugh, maybe even to keep ourselves from crying. But may we also remember that nothing is too wonderful for God.